Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Dope Black Woman podcast, the podcast where we share stories of black excellence as part of our safe digital sisterhood. I'm Leanne Levos. I'm Rashan. You can call me Shan. I'm Livs. This week, we're speaking to Jayan and Trino from Culture UK. Um, hey, guys. Thanks so much for joining us, Jay and Trino. How's everyone doing? Good. We're good. Thanks for having us. We're good. Thanks for coming on. Sorry, I just jumped um, in there. <laughs> <laughs> I was We're good. good. <laughs> That's so strange. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's... I know I was going to say, I know it's Wednesday, but it's actually Tuesday, right? I don't even know what day of the week it is right now. Um, but yeah, today we are discussing black hair. And I think uh, black hair is something that's really embedded within or perceived to be embedded within black women's identity. And it provides many women with a sense of self. It's really important to us. You know, black hair is beautiful. It's versatile as much as it isn't always appreciated um you know there's political elements to it there's such a vast kind of discussion that we could go down when we're talking about black hair but i think we're gonna have kind of go down a little bit of memory lane and talk about each of our experiences with black hair and how our relationships individually and collectively overlap or don't overlap as the case may be so thanks for joining us guys um, thank you i think the first question that we always ask guests is how would you like to be introduced and what makes you a dope black woman? So I'll let you guys answer that first. How would I like to be introduced? Bad girl, Jayan. No, um... <laughs> <laughs> no, for real, if you could do that, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But um, no, I'm, I feel like Tree and I are very similar. Um, so I, I might say things that she probably would say as well, but like just multi-potentialites we are people with multiple skills and multiple talent sets um and so uh we are co-founders of culture we're also entrepreneurs you know we worked in different fields so i'm just like a a super not not superwoman so i can come and save people but like a superwoman in terms of the the our tenacity and our um determination so yeah bad gal and a superwoman love that Wow, how do, I, how do I top that? Hmm? I've um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean... Isn't it obvious? Frida <laughs> is fine, but um, yeah, go ahead with your bare self. That's fine. Um, but it would have to boil down to just like 
what we are capable of, you know, and just like the fact that both of us just being in spaces where we wanted to see change or we wanted something different. So we created it. Um, I think that's something that, yeah, makes us dope black women. We create the things that we wish existed, really. That is pretty fucking dope. I love um, it. <laughs> so uh, you guys have mul- you, tre- uh, Jay mentioned this about being kind of multi-potentialized and being multifaceted which is something that we love here at Dope Black Women um, and I know you guys have Curlture but you also have other platforms so in addition to talking about how Curlture began getting that out of the way how do you guys manage kind of being friends and business partners and running multiple platforms like how do you do all of it we don't even know like i'm not gonna lie it's not like there's a rule book but i will say that we communicate very well um and we'll try and find solutions between us for problems and that's the main thing um and we're both willing to do things i think that's the main thing and like we don't have everything down pat but we're always willing to learn and find a way around a problem um and that's how we work together for this. But I think in terms of just juggling everything, we just do it. Like, I, I don't know. Tree, that would yeah, you... I mean, I feel like if there's something that you really want to do, you'll make time for it. I'm kind <laughs> of like a big believer in that. So that's not to say that it's always easy. Like, there's plenty of times I'm like, run off my feet. But for me, especially when I was working, it was like, I can't spend all these hours working on someone else's business and building someone else's dream and not find the time to build my own. So for me, it's like, I will find the time. So whether that's just being a bit more, um, you know, a bit more strict or just like focusing a bit more on my time management. Sometimes it was a case of maybe having to get up a bit earlier so I could fit things in. It's like, if you really want to do something, you would make time to do it. Um, Yeah, I'm just a big believer in that. So yeah, just a bit, just definitely being a bit more um, disciplined when it comes to time management. I think in general, when it comes to like, um, us, how we work together, I think it's also just kind of like, just having respect for one another, like, just in general, and just kind of having those boundaries. There's times when like, say, if Jay's busy or whatever, like if she communicates that, then it's like, okay, cool. And I can just sort of take over on certain things. So I don't know, just having that understanding and just like, we're both busy people. Yeah. That reminds me of me and Leanne. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I asked the question. Cause we're young and we're just kind of starting in this kind of world. And it's like, it's the two of us and we do kind of do the same thing, I suppose. Right, Shan? We kind of mm-hmm. just pull each up, pull weight for each other. And fortunately we haven't had any major disagreements yet but <laughs> um so it's nice to learn from you guys because obviously you've done well just the two of you kind of doing this um and succeeding and creating such a powerful and important platform so how did it start yeah how did culture get started well i mean i think the tying to tie those two answers together for this one and the previous one is also that we've been friends since we were like 14 so oh, to wow. work to, to work together and have that relationship makes things easier than I think maybe working with someone that you don't know, mm. or, you know like it's it's completely different we have the same ethos we have the same goal we we have the same um love for our community and so that's how um it also works that way um essentially we work Hopefully on our natural hair journeys initially, but a lot of the content we were consuming, you know, on YouTube, on social media was very American. And mm. during the time Tree and I would kind of talk between ourselves, talk about products and stuff. And 
we were kind of wondering where is the British representation for this and there was some but it wasn't prevalent like it wasn't something you'd see on the surface or when you googled it kind of thing so um so we created culture to basically encompass the hair discussions we have but also the ones about our culture as well as black women black british women black women of caribbean descent um to talk about you know how your hair is but also how important your skin is and and how important that is to your self-identification and how important that is to your self-esteem and all of that those kind of questions and um that you know black women ask since since centuries ago and still today really why do you think that is like it's interesting um you know you mentioned the the way it's kind of been americanized that you know even if you look at youtubers to this day there aren't I mean, there are obvious, there are the obvious ones, and there are people that do it really well. But there's still a lack of of Black British beauty bloggers, of Black mm-hmm. British hairstylish, of Black British. Do you think um, we just we rely too heavily on the American influence? We're just like, oh, it's already there and it's already done well, and there doesn't need to be a Black British, you know, platform for this kind of thing. Mm, I mean, that may be part of it, but I also feel like the way we consume things the way we consume things is a bit different. I feel like being on the journey and yeah, being on this journey in like the natural hair scene in the UK, I think that's something that we've come across um, along the way, like the way, because we've like been to events and we've been out in America, et cetera, when it comes to like natural hair scene and obviously experiencing it here. And I feel like the way we just like consume things is just really different. Um, Yeah. I feel like there's always like, like things tend to like fade out quite quickly um, over here. I don't know. I feel like still to this day, we kind of don't really know the reason why. Um, but obviously, I mean, America's bigger anyway, and they have a lot of like the brands are based there and the budget that they will put into like, whether it's events and all that kind of stuff is just like m- on a much grander scale. So here it's kind of like, we always kind of get like the leftovers. So sometimes it just feels like it's not as exciting and it doesn't really like capture as much. Mm -hmm. I don't know, like the ball, the ball just stops rolling after a certain period. So it feels like it's a bit, a bit harder to keep that momentum up. Um, So I think there's a few things that contribute to it basically Mm -hmm. is what I'm trying to say. You spoke about um, like being on a natural hair journey and I was interested to kind of know both your hairs are like, appear in the actual natural state now but did your hair use to perm before like what do you mean by joining a natural ju- hair journey was that just becoming more interested and invested in like black natural hair yeah so my hair's always been so I've never relaxed my hair um but just in terms of I transitioned so like uh, my hair was um heat damaged so I would mm-hmm. wash my hair my hair would literally be straight from all the heat damage and mm. on top of the heat damage I had like dyed my hair blonde <laughs> so it also had just been completely stripped and it was just just awful um so I had to transition from that from my hair being that state um to it being like in its natural state basically so yeah, yeah. not from it being perm but still a transitional period yeah. Oh my god! I remember the first time I dyed my hair blonde. I don't know who I thought I was. Like I was <laughs> Becky or Charlotte. It was just gonna be fine, and it was just gonna wash it out. And <laughs> it damaged my hair so badly. I don't think it's been the same since. 
yeah it, it it absolutely like my hair just broke so there was so much breakage literally it was like just under my ears it was it was awful so that's what I mean like there was definitely a transitional period to get my hair to be healthy again like I still had to wait for the regrowth and all of that kind of stuff so yeah <laughs> it was the same for me as well I didn't dye my hair but I used to straighten it all the time like it, it was it was a thing for me where it's not that I hated my texture, but I just didn't like the fact that it shrunk, which is therefore another way of hating your texture. So in order to show the length, which everyone's focused on, you know, long hair, long hair, long hair, mm. I straightened it all the time just to show the length of my hair. And mm. it's so weird to me that now, it's so funny, it's like a full circle moment because now that my hair's natural, it's been longer than any other time mm. in my life. Um, and I've not cared about it. I've cut it like four times. And and so it's just, um, for me, that was the main thing as well, transitioning from a heat-damaged state, just like tree. Um, and just, yeah, we went through, like, the whole Brazilian blowout period as well. Do you remember, Tree? With the, oh, my God. I really did that as well. Mm. <laughs> and it takes forever to, for your curls to come back, right? Like, I was waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm like, curls, just come back. And they mm. just went for months on end. And I, yeah. I think that's probably... I think I ended up cutting my hair in order to get the curls to grow back just quite naturally. Yeah, it doesn't and revert I've, back the way they sort of tried yeah. to tell you it did. Like, oh yeah, you just wash your hair and it reverted back. Lies. Mm-hmm. Lies. Yeah. So yeah, we had to transition from that as well. That's true. I forgot. I even forgot about that. But Jay, when you were talking about like wanting to straighten your hair for it to be longer, where did that sort of um, idea... Is it? Did you go to like a predominantly white school? Um... I did at sixth form, actually, and that's when I started doing it the most. Yeah, yeah. that's actually yeah, so, so true, isn't it, true? Mm. Trinity, I went to Trinity sixth form in South Woodford, Bun Trinity, and um, <laughs> a lot of, it was very much like the white girls were the avant-garde, you know, of, yeah. of, of what's that word? Of en vogue, you know, that yeah. phrase. And, you know, they, and so subconsciously, I think just to fit in and just to feel more um aligned with the school and it's a catholic school as well which is completely complete if you know me i don't do religion so it's completely opposite as well um and to fit in i kind of did that a lot as well and so i think yeah i did go to a predominantly white school yeah and and that was really the time where it started happening the most like i've got a little sister and when i do her hair there was a period of time when she'd always want her hair done in a way but she would attribute it to one of her friends at school and then when mm. I was up to school one day and saw the friend, the friend was white. And I was oh. like, hmm, so the issue here is you're thinking that her hair looks nicer than your hair. And they both have equally as long hair, but it was just a particular style. So where I would do her hair and like tie it in a bun, think it would be neater and last longer at school, she'd rather have it out and like flowing. But like, you know, with black hair, you can't really go out and have it flowing. When you come back, your hair is not flowing. It's a mess. Do you get what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah not sure. it would be. Yeah. I wouldn't agree. It depends. I, get, I guess what you mean is like black hair doesn't naturally flow in the way that you imagine like a girl with white long hair flipping it over her oh, shoulder. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah. But it's so, it's so funny. That whole um, argument about length is so interesting that, you know, people, we, we, we've grown up in a Western world. So obviously we see like long hair as healthy hair and good hair, but actually like a lot of black hair, like, doesn't just like grow straight and downwards and that's definitely like something I had to deal with because I was like my hair doesn't grow like it doesn't look healthy it doesn't look clean it doesn't look sharp I was like actually no it just doesn't grow the way white hair does that's all 
Mm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. And I feel like, especially when, like, if that's what you're surrounded by, you're not surrounded by a lot of kids like that have your hair texture or your hair type, then yeah, you kind of just see what they like the way they do their hair and feel like, oh, well, can't why can't my hair do that? Or even when it comes like products that they're using. And because I remember I used to use like all these like gels and stuff and expect it to have the same like effect it would on my hair. And it just didn't like so. Yeah, was, there's, there's a lot of a lot of unlearning. Also, just the way like the terms that we talk about our hair, like growth, it's immediately subconsciously built in our mind that it grows like like a straight line like that's how hair grows like that's it's the way we've coded ourselves and just with terms that even don't have any leaning towards ethnicity or anything like growth length all these terms are coded on white expect expectancies and so even when you're just talking about that at school like if you're talking about hair growth that's the immediate thing that you think of and that's the immediate thing you see and that happens with everything like Trina was saying with the products like even with the normal tame your hair and all of these lang coded languages that you have so I mean you can't really blame a lot of people for having that mindset um, especially for a period of time if they're like you know went to schools like me and stuff like that. It's interesting because for me I grew up in Jamaica and I guess the post-colonial kind of setting influences and then also the fact that my mom was not black, like my dad's black, but my mom's Asian. And so growing up, she didn't really know what to do with my hair. And so I would genuinely kind of um, try to embrace kind of hairstyles that I would see around me. So I'd embrace cane rows, I would want braids and more traditionally black hairstyles, quote unquote, but my mom was, my parents in general, because my dad was like an older post-colonial eight-year-old man and my, dad, my mom was not from the country. So they were very opposed because they thought it would have an impact on how I was perceived mm. or my capacity to be perceived as like a good student. So I remember one time I had a sports day and I came home with cane rose in my hair and my parents flipped out. They were so <laughs> angry at me. They were pissed. They were like, don't do that ever again, because they genuinely, not because they had a problem with the hairstyle necessarily, although I'm sure there's that underlying factor, but because they thought I would be perceived as a hoodlum or be perceived as someone who isn't, because living in this post-colonial setting, traditional hairstyles, as you've heard, I'm sure you've seen like dreadlocks being banned in high yeah. schools and stuff like that now, are perceived to be associated with people from a lower socioeconomic status or you know, so straight hair is the order of the day. And I think it's only now within the past decade that black women in Jamaica are actually, well, a certain group of black women are starting to embrace their natural hair. I don't know if that is something that you guys have noticed too in terms of nat the natural hair movement across the board in the UK. I mean, I definitely know quite a few women who are afraid to wear their natural hair to work. See, this is, you know? this is the thing. I feel like, I think... I don't know Trina, if you can agree with me, but like, I feel like we exist in a bubble, Tree and I, when it comes to natural hair. Like there are the natural hair influences, the events, the people, the brands. But outside of that, if you go outside of that, you know, there's not as much impact as you would think. And I feel like people are still uncomfortable to wear their hair naturally. Mm -hmm. um, they also also still subscribe to a very a very unilateral version of feminine beauty. And so they feel like to, in order to be attractive, they have to look a certain way. And so that usually falls in with long hair or straight textured hair that, you know, you'd wear a wig or a weave. And so I feel like even though the movement has happened, I do feel like the UK has missed 
quite a substantial amount of impact like again if we're comparing the US I do feel like that has been missed quite a bit not to say that hasn't been changed but yeah there's still that the same post-colonial stuff because you know same people that are in Jamaica came over here and brought their kids and you know my nan I had the same trouble with my nan when I first went natural when we first started culture she laughed at me and then now she's like, oh, yeah, natural hair. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> but at the time, she was busting up in my face. And I was like, okay, cool. And so it's um, it's still a, a work in progress. I mean, Tree, what do you what do you think? Yeah, no, definitely still a work in progress. Because, um, like, when it comes to, like, even if I'm speaking personally, like, from my family, like, going to work, like, this idea of, like, a to look professional and how your hair should be and it's it's mm. straight or it's relaxed or you know like this idea of like how your hair should be like neat and kept and do you know what I mean so it's like I think between Jay and I especially like from home like with our families we were the ones like re-educating them do you know what I mean <laughs> as the younger generation of like no like our hair can do a lot or it's versatile we can do different styles like so even again like Jay was saying with her nan but even with me like with my sister with my mom with my aunties like now they're all natural just by us like the things that we have done do you know what I mean so um sometimes it just takes that it's just that representation isn't it Mm. (laughs) and not being afraid to call people out maybe on their bias so that's one thing I had to notice with my family is just to obviously not be disrespectful because you have in black communities you have the whole elder thing but (laughs) you know tell them that no I don't agree with you and just leave it at that and I feel like a lot of us don't do that we kind of okay yeah no it's wrong and just have to hold your hold your ground for for a second yeah no I definitely had to do a series of lessons with my mom I remember I don't know if you guys ever had bad haircuts or bad <laughs> hairstyles or outrageous <laughs> hairstyles, but my mom tried to cut me a bang once without realizing that she would have to straighten my hair. And so I woke up with this, or not woke up, but I went to school every day with this bang that was like <laughs> sitting right here, <laughs> like two inches above my head <laughs> for a good year or so. And yeah, I don't know what, Shan, did your, did your nan have issues with your hair? Are you guys going, what did she do with, about you? She tried to get me to relax it when I was young, but my mum said no. My mum and my nan are quite opposite. Um, my mum's very much... So when I first got weave, my mum cussed me out. And I say she shamed me so bad. And then um, my nan also was not, not for it either because she was like, no, just relax your hair if you want it straight kind of thing. So they were, they were against the weave, but for different reasons. My nan was very much relaxing her hair a lot and she's natural now as well and I give her product all the time um and yeah no I never really had any mad haircuts but she did try to relax my hair and she was on it for a bit like I remember my mom having to have a proper argument with her saying like no you're not gonna relax my child's hair um but yeah not 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 many weird haircuts yeah not here not haircuts like even when I wanted to experiment my hair I remember my mum for ages was telling me that I wasn't allowed to relax my hair because when I saw it amongst my like my sister had her hair relaxed so is my mum actually all my cousins it was like I want my hair relaxed too but um it was funny because growing up I would always associate like having your hair relaxed with short hair and at the time my hair was really long as a child so it was like even though I wanted my hair relaxed I didn't want my hair to be short 
So even though it was like I would ask her sometimes, but at the same time I was like, oh, but I don't, I don't want my hair to be short. I just associated the two because they just didn't know how to look after it. So it would always break. So all their <laughs> hair was short. So that's why I always associated like, oh, if my hair's relaxed, it's going to be short. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I remember my mom saying like, not until I was 18 or something like that, I could do it. But then by the time I got to 18, I didn't want to do it anyway. But mm. at the same time, that is when I did experiment with dyeing my hair and all that kind of stuff. And my hair did break anyway. Um, but growing up, it was never a thing of like going to hairdressers or going to get my hair cut. Like my hair was always done at home. Um, so I kind of always grew up with this whole thing of like, you know, you do your hair yourself kind of thing. Um, so yeah, no, no, no wild haircut but just a lot of a lot of damage along the way. <laughs> Shan Loops, did you guys have any crazy hairstyles going on back in the day? In the hairdressers. And then once I started earning money, which was like, like 14, my mum was like, yeah, you can pay for this yourself. <laughs> and then I remember going to the hairdressers and we shouldn't outwardly say that, but I felt like that was the consensus. That was what the vibe was. <laughs> and I remember one day I needed to get a trim. I don't know where I was going or why it was so urgent, but I needed to get a trim that day. And um, so in Croydon, back in the day, and any of you guys from Croydon? Okay, well, for my Croydon, my Croydon... Massive. I know it. Mm. Croydon, back in the day, there used to be like loads of um, hairdressers on this high street. I think oh, they're Cro- not there anymore. I haven't Croydon in years. I don't go there, so I don't really know. But I went on this high street, <laughs> like, let me just find the hairdressers who have time to give me a quick trim. I'll never do that again. <laughs> because I went there and they cut off my head. I've got a big head, yeah. Look at my big head. <laughs> <laughs> I literally was in the chair crying my eyes out. I was crying, crying. I think I was like 16. I was crying my eyes out. I didn't leave the shop until mom came and got me. I was like, I'm not paying. I was fuming. I was like, mom, you can't pay. But they cut off my hair. The lady said, I thought you asked for a haircut. Wow. <laughs> oh, stop it. As opposed to a trim. It was all just mad. And it, after that day, I was like, you know what? Never will I go cheap again. Because as much as I was in hairdressers with my mum all the time, it was never like random hairdressers. It was like top quality salons. Do you get what I mean? So from mm. that day, and even now, I'm traumatised to this day. Like no, like, no exaggeration. Like right now, I need a trim. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. You do it yourself. I'm scared, man. I've got a video yeah. on it. Don't worry about that. You got a video <laughs> don't worry about that. The URL. All right, baby. <laughs> honestly it's so true that i've definitely experienced with like not even bad hairdressers like hairdressers who just don't know how to deal with black hair like it's you know they just never got trained in it i don't think they do it on purpose and so they'll give you a trim thinking it's a trim and i'm like girl that's it like a year to grow Mm. (laughs) and you just dropped it off (laughs) i don't think they realize like it's not the same it's not gonna grow and they're like it'll grow back and I'm like, will it? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I remember when I first moved to Birmingham looking for a hairdresser and I literally called like 10 to 15 places. And the first question they asked me is, do you have Afro-Caribbean hair? And I was like, first of all, what the fuck does that mean? Like what? Like <laughs> not, not straight. What, yeah. What is the broad range that you're trying to encompass into one specific mm. category? And then as soon as I said, yes, they were like, sorry, we can't do it. Oh, wow. In Birmingham. Yeah. In Birmingham, of all places. Yeah, but this was like 12 years ago. So I know that oh, things have shifted now, but mm. still, wow. it was a problem. And so shout out to Daniela, my girlfriend. She just started doing my hair for me and probably mm. better than any hairdresser could have done it anyway. So got- yeah. There you go. Hair looks really healthy. 
that's the thing yeah even when i find that i just had a big distrust of black hairdressers because i used to go in there get my hair straight and then that's when it started getting breaking off mm. and and yeah i just have a big distrust like even when tree and i have like dyed our hair in a prop in the past we've only gone to really high quality salons mm. um to get our hair done because we don't play that like it's not <laughs> i'm literally not gonna risk my life asking you for a trim i'd rather do it myself because i know how much i cut off and i'm the person to blame i'm not paying for someone to mess up my hair so i understand that deep distrust and it's also because again like it's the beauty standards that a lot of hairdressers have they're still aiming for this long straight um you know hydro texture um look you know there's there's it's like 10 to 1 in terms of natural hair salons compared to salons that do hair black hair to look quote unquote European. Yeah. yeah. That's still yeah. that disproportionate service there. So you, it's harder for us to go and find salons that do that. And then even then, like the the price point is different. Yeah. And even now I'm pretty sure it still happens like in terms of like people training with to become a hairstylist or whatever and they adopt those practices for European hair to, you know, our hair. And it just is not the same. So um, I think there is something that exists now in terms of training for natural hair. I believe so. Maybe I need to check that. But obviously for so, for so long there wasn't. So it was just like that, those practices that you had on European hair would just be try to just literally tran- translate that to our hair and it just wasn't the same. And that's where people just went wrong a lot of the time. So I have a question about cutting hair, wet or dry? Dry. Because I hear a different answer every time I go to the hairdresser. It's like, let me cut your hair wet. Dry? I've never heard dry. Yeah. Well, Isn't it always wet? No. Uh-uh. no. And people always say, if you're going to cut my hair dry, they have to straighten it first. And I'm no. like... Because your hair shrinks, isn't it? So if it's wet, then you might end up cutting off more than you need to. Mm. Mm. But then I guess where I have layers, it's clearer to see them when it's wet. Do you not think? Mm, no, I feel like you <laughs> sorry. I was like, no. Right you're like, no. Like if you're, if, it depends on what look you're going for. If you wear your hair straight most of the time, maybe that's the best. Oh, no, it also de- yeah, it also depends how you wear your hair. So like, yeah. I don't wear my hair straight, so I don't oh, have a need sorry. to do yeah. it in that way or for it to be so perfect because my hair's. Do you know what I mean? I don't mm. wear my hair straight. If you're someone that wears your hair straight all the time and you can then clearly see if that shit goes wrong. Oh, sorry. Mm. Um, <laughs> no, you can swear. <laughs> when you can clearly see if that goes wrong. <laughs> yeah. Then of course, then you might want to do it different. But for, if someone like wears their hair curly all the time, mm. then you wouldn't need to straighten that first to cut it. Yeah. And the reason why as well is because you need to see the shape of your hair and different curls curl differently in your head. You have multiple curl patterns. So if you're cutting your hair straight and one curl actually is longer in terms of its pattern, it's elongated and the other one shrinks up more, you're going to end up with a mismatch because when you cut it when it's wet, like my hair elongates when it's wet. So if I cut when wet, I'm going to cut off much more than right. what I expect. That's why I have to do it dry. And I need the shape. If you want volume, you have to do it when it's, when it's curly. So yeah, that's, that's, see, that's a myth that's still being uprooted in terms of, mm. I've only, we've, Trina and I have got our hair cut multiple times from different salons and we've only got it done dry only wow. yeah. mad 
that is I a new one for I me. I trust someone cutting my hair wet. I know that. <laughs> I know they'll be taking off too much. Like <laughs> that's a slappable offense, right there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. I have a curveball question. Do you think that men need to be a part of this movement? Black men need to be part of this movement in any shape or form. I mean, I I'm asking the question because I was having a conversation with my boyfriend um recently and he has dreads and he's deaf and he also works in the corporate world and it's something he's thinking about a lot later lately as he kind of you know reaches um more towards his 30s it's like what am I going to do long term and I, it's definitely something he thinks about I don't know whether he has to think about it to the same level as black women but I think there's something there yeah um, of course. do you like but do you think is it but is culture mainly like is it for women or like do you think about your male audience the reason why there's a focus on women is because the way women look has been a focus of society in general. So that's why. But I do feel like men have to be included in that conversation, not just for themselves, but for the kids that they will eventually raise, the boys that they will raise, because the boys will go and portray that their, their insecurities and, and project those onto women and other young little boys as well. And so um, everyone has to be involved in that conversation. But the way men deal, because women are automatically presumed to focus more on how they look than men that's why there's that imbalance there in general like you know magazines are about women you know most influencing is mostly about women and all of this stuff so mm. and don't like, get it twisted men do care about this stuff like i guess they wouldn't necessarily okay fair enough they might not be sitting on a podcast like this talking about it perhaps but they do and one thing that like highlighted that for me was during lockdown when men couldn't go to like the barbers <laughs> the or whatever and get their hair done and all these guys have grown up their hair and people were really like they really do care about this kind of stuff you know so yeah for me I'm like don't get it twisted like they do it's just I guess the conversation maybe isn't the same but there mm-hmm. are definitely times when we get men like in our dms asking us whether it's for them um or yeah like their kids or stuff like that you know so I think yeah I think like for example they shouldn't have to be like oh let me just quickly go in the dms to ask because I don't want to be asking in public or whatever do you know what I mean but I think mm-hmm. they definitely need to be included in the conversation and exactly what Jay said I think if not for them but also for the younger generation another thing is that you know I guess the same idea post-colonial ideas that we have we also project on men and about their long hair and masculinity and that's something that also we should talk about and we've talked about on our platform in terms of like leave black men to hair alone if they want to have long hair that doesn't make them more feminine that makes them who they are and they just have long hair I know my younger brother when he was young he had the most beautiful silky hair like we didn't know where it came from um and he still has it now but it's so gorgeous and when he was young um, because people used to call him a girl, he had he wanted to cut it off. And then he grew it back out, and now he's on the wave thing. But, like, for the most part, it's, it was people's comments towards his hair as a young black boy, talking about his lack of mas- masculinity as a young black boy because of his long hair. So those are the kind of conversations that they have to also discuss and uproot and have these kind of t- discussions that we're having as well. But, again, there's that barrier in terms of men are not supposed to care about how they look and stuff like that. The bald patches are a real issue for, for men in this world. Like mm. so many men I know talk about or worry about how quickly they'll lose their hair or, mm. you know, and what to do when they, their hair does start thinking. Is that, is that something that can be prevented? Is it just genes? Is it? I mean, that could be a multiple, mm. multitude of things. Even when one, I have a friend who um, had bald patches 
and he asked me to make him a growth oil and I made it for him. But I thought main thing was that, which is where mine came from, is the fact that he wasn't being emotionally open. He mm. wasn't, his stress was coming through his scalp. And so um, we mm. talked about what was going on during the life and stuff like that. And I was like, you need to, you need to let go. You need to let things go because it's, it's, it's affecting your, your hair. And then there's, there's, it's the same with women. Like I know men have a propensity to become you know, bored or have bored spots, but there's still the same range of causes as, as with women. This is the Dope Black Women podcast. Uh, you guys talked about this a little bit um, before about kind of European standards and, and you guys embrace so many different hairstyles. Like, it's so crazy to see all the different things, all that- the different types of hairstyles that you guys come up with. It's crazy. I'm still waiting to try that long braid with the, with the cloth braided in between. That's my next attempt. But um, do you think there's a fine line? Because you guys wear extensions and stuff like that as well. Is there a fine line between, or what is the fine line between kind of wearing, um, you know, embracing wigs, weaves, relaxers anything that isn't quote-unquote natural and uh, as a way of kind of amplifying being proud of your hair versus kind of conforming to the traditional standards like where do you guys find the balance between the two because that's often what's told right it's like if you wear weave or if you straighten your hair you're self-loathing oh wow self-loathing um yeah no I kind of oh I like if I'm being honest I really I really kind of hate like the divide. I think it's just because like over the years, just speaking to women and what they do with their hair, like there's so many different reasons why people switch up their hair or why people wear wigs and weave. Like there's just, I think you can't automatically put it down to self-loathing as an example, or, you know, oh, you, you, hate your hair or whatever it is like hate your black oh, no, I just like, think that's the common perception yeah I know yeah. and that's what I'm that's exactly what I mean like when people like commonly just all, like um reduce it down to that one thing I just think like it's just a load of bullshit basically um like I said there's so many different reasons so for me personally it's like I don't I don't see it like that um I'm kind of like I said we experiment a lot um when it comes to hairstyles, even like, I know there's loads of people that they might want to experiment with color and that's why they'll, that's maybe their reason or whatever it may be. There's so many different reasons. So I think it's like, it's not really fair to just sort of look at someone and be like, Oh, this is how you view yourself. And the same, it's the same vice versa. It's the same vice versa. Someone with natural hair, you can't just automatically assume like, yeah, you're quote unquote woke because you have your hair Mm -hmm. natural. Um, so yeah, there's there's always those kind of um, assumptions, and yeah, I don't really. I think again, over the years meeting so many people, I think it's just been proven that that's just like a load of rubbish. I think for me, I'm like on both sides of the fence because I feel like there is a lot of cognitive dissonance when it comes to beauty. Again, like I said, what there's a femininity that people lean towards. It's, it's always has this one look like you know what the black British influencer look is and everyone kind of goes for that look like it's so true I'm lying like it's not not to shade anyone at all but that's the typical look that you find like Trina and I went to a, a Wiz Kid concert and like literally we were like, <laughs> you remember what? that oh my god yeah because everyone looked the same we were like we were in this me and Jay with our natural hair we looked around we were like what is this literally so like Whilst I and like everyone can switch it up, like you see us switch it up. It's not what you do; it's the why you do it. And 
we can never comment on someone else's um, look just by seeing them once. You have to see their pattern of behavior and how often they use this hair or how often they, they wear a wig. And, and then that's when you start to ask the question, why? And that's when you start to get the reason. But just from judging off of a first look, you can't do that. But I won't deny that there is a link between how people perceive themselves and how people project themselves outside, outwardly. Yeah, I think like you said, it's all about your intentions. Like if you, if you want to wear your 16 inch straight weave and flow about, that's absolutely fine. If you enjoy that, it's all good. But then, you know, and I, I, this happens a lot on Twitter. Sometimes I think... Like, okay, you said on Twitter, would you actually ever say in real life? Do these conversations actually ever leave Twitter? But, you know, like, it's like, oh, but you can't, you couldn't leave the hair with your house with your natural hair, or you couldn't leave the house with cane rolls. It's like, make those decisions for yourself. But, you know, you can't judge other people for making those decisions. Like you said, intentions. But I was going to ask, you know, these conversations happen a lot online. And then then the kind of the self-hate kind of ravels online and on Twitter. Do you think it kind of just exists in that little vacuum and it doesn't really have happen in the real world. Like for example, like people make fun of Cardi B when she's not wearing a wig or a weave when she has her natural hair out. It's like, do you, would you ever have those conversations with someone face to face in real life? Like, I feel like, like if you think about some of the trash people you find on the internet, <laughs> I, I genuinely think they have their friendship circle that empowers them to make those comments in person and therefore they feel like they can go and do it online because online you've got more visibility so if you're doing it online I, I feel like you're saying this to your friends because why would you not say it in private and then say it in public does that make I do that you think sense? so oh I yeah. definitely think the opposite I feel like people don't I feel like people talk the most online I don't think people would then come out and say wait do you mean saying it to their friends or just saying it to random people like, not to their friends to their friends like that's where they their mindset is like um cared for in that circle and then therefore they feel empowered to say online they might not write, walk up to a random person and be like yo yeah hey shit in it but like they'll just in in like um, in their friendship circle that mindset's allowed to thrive they're not mm. checked, they're not checked which is why mm. i feel like they can I hear you. Online. like i'm not really on twitter like that but i do feel like there is this kind of like culture on twitter like the way people just want to bust jokes or whatever whatever um mm. and like, anything all the memes up for grabs online yeah and that's why i kind of feel like that's kind of like an online thing i've not really seen again maybe i'm not on there as much but i have not really seen that kind of same um i don't even know what i'll describe it as but i've not really seen that in person i feel like it's very much an online thing mm. twitter's the wild wild west <laughs> It honestly is because I'll see stories online on Twitter of like women who have never shown their partner their real hair Um, and those kind of stories. I'm like, but I don't know anyone in real life would actually does that or say or says that i don't know if you just like i don't know it feels like people say things on twitter they never talk about real life almost it's like Mm -hmm. a diary for some people i don't doubt that happens though i I like history yeah has to have taken a hold so i I don't doubt that happens i haven't seen her hair since secondary school see like ever and in my head i was thinking wow i I saw part of her hair the other day that she wears beams Sorry, I, saw, like, I saw like part of it. No, literally, like I saw like the leave out bit, and I was like, "Your hair is proper damaged." And I was thinking to myself, "It's not my my place to tell you, but also I need to tell you because the level of damage it is soon, she's not gonna be able to wear weaves. Do you understand mm. what I mean? Like it's not gonna cover anything. And part of me is like, she's a friend who I look at as very confident, 
very like got her shit together that's how she appears to like people around her and um like anyone she meets really she's she's quite a confident person and i just feel like in myself there's something there that i want to have a conversation about but i don't even know what the conversation is because for me as your friend i'm one of her i'm literally one of her closest friends so i've never seen your hair since we were six like 15 14 that is mad to me that is that's very crazy do you get what i mean like i find that for me, I find that quite a bad relationship to have towards her. And I, obviously, I'm looking at it from a, um, I don't know, I don't know the ins and outs. She might think it's fine, and maybe I just ha- she happens to have it out when I'm not there. Who knows? I, I can't tell her what she's about life all the time. But I, that's just something that I that, that I've been aware of that I find very kind of uncomfortable. But I find the whole conversation with her quite weird to navigate because I've got friends who are like um, on the natural hair movement, and for me, they feel that talking to them about natural hair I find uncomfortable because it's almost like they're anti-weaves so they're like yeah natural hair let's show our beauty and then they'll be like but if you wear weaves you're trying to and to me that conversation is very uncomfortable and I feel like a lot of people I meet in the natural hair movement have that sort of narrative obviously they're not all like that but a lot of them have that narrative and I find it very frustrating because that's not what it's about at all that's what for me and Trina's platform is one thing our one of our ethos is that you should feel confident without what you're putting on, but feel free to put it on. You mm. see what I mean? Like we can wear a long braid, we can wear a ponytail, but we still feel confident in ourselves to be who we are naturally. And I think that's the main thing. Like no one's going to cuss you if you're putting on whatever you want to put on. And there's always that, I feel like as a friend, you should definitely have that discussion. Trina and I saw someone the other day, He's an old friend of mine and she was with a friend and her friend had some really bad makeup on. And you know, when the flashback looks like that and if the shades are way too low and I, we were having a discussion, like, I would hope you would tell me like, if I look like that, because <laughs> as a friend, I feel like you should be looking out for, for that person. Even if they don't like what they're going to hear, sometimes it's, it's the truth. And sometimes, or sometimes it's your perspective and the, like having those discussions, I think is key to mm. friendship and it might not be easy but, um, yeah, I feel like, you know, having that discussion around her hair should be something that maybe you should try. But it depends on how you feel about it and how she reacts as well. That's not an easy thing to do. Because what you've got to understand is that we've been programmed with a programming that has, and this sounds very hotepish, but a program that has self-defense. It's like got an antivirus. So anyone telling you something about wearing your natural hair, there's an immediate defense there. I had it um when I was going through like my whole straight hair set thing like why are you straightening your hair like I had a defense like I I love my hair what do you mean but it's something that you have to have a discussion around and just poke holes and see how they actually feel in the natural hair movement another thing that I think a lot of people talk about a lot or highlight a lot is like 4c hair I put in um stars yeah so Mm -hmm. where you your hair is like hair that a lot of people would be would consider quite desirable mm. would you feel like you have you ever received backlash for your platform does that make sense i asked that question backwards no i agree i don't feel like the one thing that i mean true and i are two people and we always say this like we dare people to come try it because there's <laughs> two of us um and i feel like with the intention of our platform it's never to make people feel worse for what they have it's to it, the, the nature of our platform is that we have two different hair textures mm. so you either find inspiration in tree or you find inspiration in me. And we're always talking to people when people do like make those comments. Like I want texture like you. I say, no, your hair texture is beautiful and you should empower yourself to embrace what you have. Um, 
it's the same with trees as well. Like when she's got a lot of volume in her hair, a lot of thickness in her hair as well. So it's not just even just about the texture sometimes. Um, so I don't, I don't think we've ever received backlash. Mm-mm. I think one, one person, I'll never forget this, one person commented saying my hair was a wig. And oh. I had a whole fight on the way to work on <laughs> Instagram with that person. And she was like, you're still going? And I'm like, yeah, because they got to learn. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, no, nothing really outrageous no i just wanted to go back to what shan was saying about kind of having conversations with people around with women or other women around their hair right because i think so just as an example i have a girlfriend who also i've never seen her real hair up until lockdown right and for me it was and i know who she is like i know she's very proud of who she is and her hair and everything else and i I don't make any assumptions as to why I've never seen her hair. But for me, when she did take her hair out or take her braids out, for me, it was about normalizing the fact that she's allowed to switch up her hair. And so I didn't have that discussion or I didn't make comments on it because I didn't want it to be a thing like, oh, my God, you've made this transition. What brought about this change? And so I'm just like, you know, is there ever a time where we just normalize people doing whatever the fuck they want to do with their Mm -hmm. hair, you know? Mm-hmm. kind of another curveball question so i don't know if you guys remember but there was a conversation on twitter that involved emma Deberry around um hair and hair in schools and kids not being asked to conform their hair and somebody actually responded i think her comment was around um you know no one would ever ask a child to bleach their skin so why would you ask someone to change their hair or to conform to traditional hairstyles and somebody actually said i would so there are people who would actually ask you to, to bleach your skin and colorism is a real thing. And so in terms of like the hair journey, is colorism ever something that comes into play for you guys in terms of addressing kind of the experiences of darker skinned women who also have natural hair on that process and the nuances of that experience? Well, I didn't see that comment. Um, but I think, yeah, in the, in the natural hair space, you... Well, especially like we've been operating this space for like six years now. So I think, especially in the U, actually, no, okay, just in general, you will typically see like lighter skin influencers um, just promoted a bit more when it comes to like natural hair and natural hair care. And typically, we see a lot of them having like a looser texture like I just wish we would see like more darker skinned women in general um and that definitely became a whole thing I can't remember how long ago it was but there was this whole period where like people were making like YouTube videos about like leaving the natural hair scene and leaving the natural hair space um because of like texturism but also colorism as well and people were just completely bored of it and that actually brought up like it was off the back of that conversation which is why we created our book kink which celebrated women who were underrepresented within the space so it was like there was these subcategories within natural hair and that was starting to form um so even with kink you know we were celebrating women um with darker skin tones and with kinkier textures hence why it's called kink and also with locks like a lot of people weren't talking about locks at all um, that was like completely just like erased from the talk of hair and natural hair. So that was definitely like very 
very prominent within the space and I feel like to be honest you still see it now mm. what, what what's really changed if we're being honest like do you know what I mean no and we're obviously Tree and I are not the darkest of the dark you know in terms of our skin tone so we've always tried to be proactive in having these conversations and talking about colorism because if you you know the lighter you are on the spectrum I feel like the more you should talk about it because you have a privilege um and so we've always been quite proactive about talking about it on our platform but yeah like if you think about it today and the thing is it's not just followers it's not just likes it's actually campaigns it's things that change your life you know if you think about some of the top hair influences and in, in terms of the scene a lot of them are light-skinned are or uh, light-skinned or biracial and they have a type 3 texture and therefore off of the back of natural hair they've been able to do other things in life it's literally affecting people's livelihood and it's no wonder that some people left the scene because if you're getting passed up for campaigns and you're getting passed up for things that will change your life and in, in in doing the stuff that you love I would be frustrated as well do you have any uh, advice for any listeners who maybe are sort of fresh on their um their natural hair journey they just want some advice about you know how do I go about trying to label my hair what's useful like what what the do's and don'ts like what would be your top tips for anyone who's new to this kind of thing what are the top tips (laughs) I feel like we haven't done top tips in a while Mm, that's why it shocked me through we should through me break up (laughs) I think I think it's because they've changed over time like our top tips kind of developed over time I think that's kind of why we both just went "Mm." (laughs) what's our recent top tips (laughs) I would say porosity in it tree that's the main thing that you should know when it comes because that affects your whole hair routine what is that sorry your your hair porosity what what does that mean (laughs) so it's how quickly your hair is penetrated by water so for instance I have high porosity hair so my hair gets wet easily but also loses moisture easily um and so tree has low porosity hair right Mm -hmm. right and so So my hair retains moisture yeah longer basically Mm. So knowing that basic fact will help you do your 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 hair routine. I'm not talk- like that's why when you said labels with like type three and type four, we don't really use that. It's more about the qualities that your hair. Yeah, because I guess that doesn't really help when it comes to your actual hair care. Yeah, you know what I mean. So for me, like because my hair retains moisture quite quite well, I don't need to go in with all the layers. Like sometimes you'll watch a YouTube video and they use this product, a leave-in and then a cream mm. and then a butter and then a gel. Like, do you know what I mean? Whereas like, <laughs> I don't need, sometimes like Jay might need to go in with the layers because it's harder for her hair to like retain the moisture. But for my hair, and because of the porosity, I don't need to go in with so many layers. Like I can literally just use like a moisture, like a cream or something and then a bit of oil and literally a bit and then I'm good like I would use a little bit where Jayan would probably use half the tub like (laughs) for her her hair and that's more to do with our porosity as opposed to our hair type type three or type four it's not really to do with that you know this might sound silly but how would I know which one I'm on because so my hair was permed and then I um basically just stopped perming it but then I consciously made the effort to like cut it all off in like March just before lockdown basically and I think it was in January actually and I've just started getting used to different products because obviously my hair texture is a lot thicker now it's very much it's very different so I was using like Cantu and this is not it's not 
it's not a slag of any brand, but I've been using Cantu and I've seen people online saying Cantu dries out your hair, Cantu does this, Cantu does that. <laughs> and now I'm like, I don't know if it's good for my hair or not good for my hair. And I'm so confused. And I feel like what you're talking about now is the reason why I'm confused because I don't know how often I'm meant to be using it for it to be normal. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm, I understand. I think- yeah, and I think one thing, the first thing to say, well, firstly, it's not a stupid question. Secondly, um, your hair will change. So especially as you've like cut, so I think you said you cut quite a bit off, did you? Yeah. Yeah, so like your hair, your hair texture will change. So I think like the whole sort of experiment phase, like you're going to have to go through that. So no matter what we say now anyway, like you are going to have to experiment with your hair because your texture will change as it grows and as like the regrowth comes from Mm -hmm. um you know like especially if if it's not something that you've experienced before like you will have to experiment for sure so that's like the second thing I'll say but also um I mean the third thing yeah I we don't use Cantu um I haven't necessarily had the best experiences with Cantu so maybe that is just a thing across the board if so many people are saying it but anyway um (laughs) 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 but um but yeah, I mean, what is the official way to test your porosity? I don't know. Because I know there is that like, the cup test, but people mm. are saying that like, it's just not really accurate. For mm. me, like I just did the test of like spraying water on like with a spray bottle. And mm. I just like just had my hair out and I sprayed water on my hair and sort of just I waited to see like how long that took to dry. And like sometimes you can see like the um, the water literally sitting on your hair, or sometimes yeah. it actually absorbs in your hair. So there are different ways you can kind of test it. Um, like I said, some people might might know what it is by doing that cup test, if if you know what I'm referring to, where they get a strand of hair and just let it float. But I don't think that's as accurate. Um, but yeah and I think also the way like so for example the way my sister sort of worked out even though she didn't necessarily know like the terminology about like porosity high low all that kind of stuff she just always knew that after she was washed her hair and when she let it air dry her hair would dry really quickly mm-hmm. and there's yeah. some people when you wash your hair you know like for hours and your hair's still wet it's like that already can sort of tell you if your hair dries really quickly then yeah your hair mm-hmm. kind of absorbs that quite quite um dries out sorry doesn't retain the moisture very well um so yeah it's just there's a few ways to kind of kind of Mm. kind of learn but it's just about paying attention I guess it's really like paying attention to how what your hair likes and how it operates so I don't know if that's really helpful but um do you guys have a favorite product that you that you're that you have to use that you like to use or is it a bit too hard um it always changes I'm not gonna lie it does always change I Mm. think at the moment I am probably really loving Diva Curls products (laughs) but also I think if I was going to list a few brands just in terms of like their whole range I do like um Camille Rose yeah and I do really like who else I like as I am yeah, I like oh, as, I as I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last one I would say, you know, so I'm looking at my product drawer. I also like Design Essentials. Yeah, um, I would add to that Big Hair. I love Big Hair's products. Um, Camille Rose and Big Hair are black owned, and so are Design Essentials. And um, another one, Trepadora. I like Trepadora's products. Um, oh. Another black owned brand. 
um, here in the UK. Equi Botanics. I love Equi Botanics. Um, Leaving. Ah, oh, that is beautiful. That is so nice. Um, uh, Afrocentrics. I love their shampoo because it's so fresh. Yeah, their shampoo is so good. I literally just mm. used that last time I washed my hair. So there's so Ooh. many brands. We have videos on this, ladies. Just let I'll you know. be sharing the video on our post and we post this podcast because <laughs> I just put in the group chat every single thing you just said. <laughs> <laughs> We actually do repost. I, I mean, I know I watch a lot of your videos, and it's funny that one of the things that I've noticed is how uh, useful products are in in different ways. Like I've been watching the Palmer stuff that you guys have been doing, and how it's good for your hair, but it's good for your skin, but it's good for you. So it's really interesting to see how many products can be used in so many different ways, especially because some products are so expensive, and so you want to kind of make as use it as much as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. yeah because you can wind up spending i know obviously especially like shan i'm sure you probably know like embarking on this journey and it's just like where do you start all the products like there's just so much so i get that it can be really overwhelming but sometimes for me as well i oh you took the word out of my mouth <laughs> <laughs> it is really overwhelming but at the same time it is just like sometimes I, I, like, I like to just go back to basics sometimes. Like, I remember when I was just like, okay, let me just start from scratch. Like, it was just a case of using natural oils, like using castor oils. Um, for me, I realized that at one stage, I really wanted to use, like, heavy butters. So I would use a lot of, like, shea butter and stuff like that. Like, just kind of using natural stuff until I felt, like, comfortable spending hella money, you know? Mm. <laughs> um, there's also, like, options like subscription boxes um, that will give you products where you know they've worked with the brand and you can get a taste of that product and therefore um so you get like a a fraction of the price of buying the whole Mm. range and so obviously if you don't want it every month that that, that's a bit different but at least they give you an option of trying a brand out at a fraction of the price and you still can figure out oh do i like this one do i not like this one um and then you can go out and buy it yourself which i think is a really great selling point of subscription boxes out there like um treasure trust is a really good one amazing i guess you guys have given so many good tips about uh, it's particularly in the last couple of minutes for people who are as you said kind of going through the process of loving their natural hair and embracing it and kind of transitioning do you guys have any other advice for particularly for young girls who are on that process of just learning how to love their hair and love themselves have fun and being different i think that's the main thing standing out is so much better than blending in um Mm. and that's something you learn as you grow older but at a young age standing out just is so much better because you feel much so much more comfortable in who you are and you get to experiment you know you don't have to be you can have braids one day you can have hair paint and have purple hair the next day you know you can do so many different things um and i just say have fun with it and don't feel ashamed of who you are um, and don't feel ashamed of experimenting at the same time. Change it up, stay the same, mix it up all the time. I think that's the best thing that I would say. Um, you don't have to be fully formed at 15. That's the time to experiment. Mm. True. Because yeah, I definitely experimented. So <laughs> go ahead and experiment. And just, yeah, just kind of highlighting that our hair is so versatile so like jay said have fun with it there's so much we could do with our hair so it's not always about just following one one type of look 
Um, but also just try and try your best. I'm just speaking from experience. Try your best to practice um, like healthy hair practices. So not worrying about length all the time, but I just focusing on the health of your hair. Um, so like protective styling is just something good to sort of think about. And you can create so many different styles with things like that. So yeah, healthy hair wins all the time. Um, so guys, Jayatree, thank you so much for joining us. I, we really appreciate it. I think we've learned so much. And I think it's really important for us to have this discussion, particularly in light of kind of not just what's been happening recently, but just in terms of the general issues of discrimination that we face, both black men and women around our hair, from the Jamaica schools issue to schools in England, also having an issue with sending kids home and just all of the different um, backlash that we receive as black women and black men um, about our hair. And so I really just, I'm so appreciative. We're so appreciative of the platform that you guys have and all of the work that you guys do. Um, tell us what you have coming up uh, and what you have planned just moving forward post-COVID, during COVID? Uh, yeah, I think coming up, we have a lot more. So a lot more that's just also outside of hair, hair care. So we'll be doing a lot of like skincare content as well. Yeah. Um, and just sort of, and beauty content. I'm just showing like there are different, different, you know, content that you can consume as black women for beauty. And it's not always like one type of look. So yeah, I think we really enjoy doing that type of content as well. So thanks so much for listening, guys. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get them from. On Twitter and Facebook, we're Dope Black Woman. And on Instagram, we are Dope Black Woman 1. We'll be back with you next week. Until then, stay blessed and unapologetically black. All the way black. Blackly black. Blacktacular. Black and beautiful. Hey! <laughs> <laughs>
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.